Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs from Madison, Wisconsin. And today we're lucky enough to have Mark Gearing with us, who's uh, actually in the same room, which is awesome. So Mark has been involved with a number of successful startups, and his track record is uh, pretty amazing. And it, so the challenge with Mark, it's hard to give even a brief overview of his background, so I won't even try, because we'll, we'll get into it, but um, he started a couple uh, successful companies, Geometrics and Ultra Visual, which we'll talk about. And he's also started a number of other companies that are going very well. And plus, Mark is a pretty humble guy, so that makes it even better. <laughs> and he's a, a pr pretty uh, brilliant software developer. So I'm excited to learn uh, more about Mark and uh, what he's all done. So, Mark, well, thanks, thanks for joining us. for the nice intro. That's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, let's. Like I said, it's hard to know where to start with Mark. Like, I want to learn like, what he's learned and understand how he ticks, but at the same time, his background is so interesting. So we'll try to do a, a, a mix between the two. Um, so maybe let's talk about your background and uh, how you started your first company. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't have a computer science degree. I've never taken a mm -hmm. computer class. Uh, but in high school and college, I was into programming. I, I loved doing that. Uh, and after college, I got what the, did you program? Right. Oh, uh, the first was like an Apple II okay. computer. Like and what type of programs did you? Oh, I made games. Did and, you? Okay. Nice. And uh, I had a friend whose dad had a food company, and over the summer we did some stuff on this NCR mainframe computer. So it was just all wow. random okay. things back in like the way back when. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, but I got a degree in biomedical engineering, uh, which I actually took for pre-med, but then I decided I didn't want to go to medical school. And I was fortunate to get a job at UW-Madison uh, doing programming. And there was a, the Department of Biostatistics had kind of this resource of programmers uh, that they would loan out to different grants and projects. And so I got to work on this wide range of things had two great mentors, Steve Entine and Anna Ganguly, and that's what kind of turned me into a professional programmer. Uh, and then Rock Mackey, who was already a, a famous physicist, medical physicist, uh, arrived at UW, I think, in 1988 or maybe 87, which was just a year or so after I got there. And then we cooperated on, on developing um, radiation treatment planning software that evolved into our first company. And that's uh, Geometrics. Right. And uh, Geometrics, we, by the way, is the four founders. It's Garing, Mackey, oh. Reckwert, Sanders. That's where that, oh, that no way. those are the letters <laughs> of that, that name. Oh, that's good. And uh, we, we did talk about Geometrics a little bit with Rock, who's on a, a previous uh, podcast. Um, so we don't have to talk a, a ton about that because Rock gave us. But what, uh, what, how did Rock convince you, or how did you convince Rock? Who, Where'd the idea come from? Well, in those days, radiation treatment planning was two-dimensional, so it would be on one CT scan. So that actually limited the, how you could treat. You couldn't have a beam come in through the top of the head because you can't get a CT scan in that plane. Hmm. So you could only come in from the side of the body. Uh, so Rock came and wanted to do a treatment called stereotactic radiosurgery, which is for brain tumors. Uh, where you come in from a lot of different directions that don't lie in the plane. So the first project was to slice out planes of data that are off-axis 
and feed those into the 2D treatment planning system. And so we did that and started treating patients. Um, and you wrote a lot of the code, the software. I just wrote yeah. simple code that would take a CT scan, these transverse images, and slice out a different plane and feed it out to the other software where they would do the actual radiation okay. treatment okay. plan. Yep. But then right around that time, a paper came out, and it was the first paper where they made 3D images out of a CT scan. Mm -hmm. And it was super cool, and I, and I read it, and it's, it did, was not that difficult, the algorithm. Uh, so I coded that up in the basement of the hospital, which is where radiotherapy departments are. Um, and I, I ran it, and I, the first image was just pure static. No discernible image, it was totally wrong. And I tried to fix it, I ran it again, it was pure static, but it was kind of, I could see just what looked like a little bit of structure, like the outline of the head. And I, I ran it, I went in back and fixed it again, I ran it again, and I, up came this 3D image of the patient where I could recognize the patient, it was amazing. It wow, was like yeah, I yeah. made life, it was so <laughs> cool. Wow. That's what I love about software development in general, is though it's not always that dramatic, but it's cool just to make something out of, um, out of nothing, out of just yeah, an idea. Yeah. Uh, and at the time they were planning these treatments by drawing arcs onto the patient's head at the machine and that consumed machine time and all the patient and the nurses and doctors. Um, and now I had this 3D surface of the head so I could project arcs onto that. Mm -hmm. And so we eliminated that treatment and then that grew into Pinnacle which was the first commercial 3D radiation planning system. So it was a combination yeah. of, it was rocks, ideas and then um, the jump to 3D combined with it. He was already famous for a radiation dose computation algorithm that we incorporated into that, into that software. Okay. And uh, what, what year did you guys sell that, that company? We formed a company in 1992 and it was sold in 1996. Okay. And, uh, um, and so and then after that you started Ultra Visual? Ultravisual. Yeah, when so. did you start in '96 or when did you start? No, so we our company was acquired by a company called ADAC, which is a big public okay, yeah. company, uh, and I stayed at ADAC until 2000. So Ultravisual was was formed in 2000. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, and Rock said you you, you guys gave away uh, geometrics kind of. You could have sold it for more. Had we known, we could have certainly. Yeah, I mean, you can always look in hindsight. <laughs> we, that's an interesting story. Like, when do you? Um, you know, the, there are multiple reasons that that was sold, but one key reason was that our main competitor, which was Siemens Medical Systems, uh, they dropped their 3D planning system just one day, walked in and they had been inspected by the FDA and they had dropped that whole product. Wow. We were an eight-person company. I'd worked on that software for six, seven years at that point, and that, I, we just knew that there was a possibility of just going to zero. Wow. Uh, not that we weren't doing things right, but it just was, we were this little teeny company. So, yeah, in retrospect, you know, that software has had 40% market share since the mid-90s um, in a small market, but very significant revenue. Um, so, yeah, if you went back, you would not <laughs> right. you wouldn't do that, but then you never know. Had we been on our own, who knows what would right. happen. It, yeah. it, it, ADAC did, was one reason for that software doing well, was it? certainly. Okay. Okay. So. And, and what did you learn from that and working at ADEC to help you start the uh, ultra-visual? Any good lessons learned? 
Well, we learned how to run a company, for one thing. Yeah. When we started Geometrics, we were coming straight out of the university. We didn't know much. Okay. We, in terms of, we were way too intertwined with ADAC. ADAC had already mm -hmm. helped us with our FDA submission. They, had, they were a sole distributor. We're quite intertwined with, with ADAC. Uh, and we, we needed that to some extent, but we, were, we could have structured things differently had we known. So it's just, you know, we learned how to, we started out to visual, I feel like we knew what we were doing in terms of structuring the company, raising money, actually running the company, developing the software, selling the software. Gotcha, and who to partner with. Or, right, Yeah. Okay. how to partner. How to partner, yep. Uh, and then, all right, so let's, uh, so it's 2000, and uh, you're, who came up with the idea for Alto Visual, and how did you get it going? And, um, well, there were, we were looking at, we had all been working now for 10 years on this 3D imaging software. So we thought, well, what are they doing in radiology? Is there some, can we go there? Is there some opportunity? And in 2000, 80% of hospitals were still using film. So they wow. weren't even digital. Wow. It was, um, you know, shocking where they're, they're going into surgery and they're like, Where's the film? And it's on, you know, it's in a jacket in some cart somewhere or some guy's desk. Um, <laughs> so it's obvious to everyone, all the film companies, the CT scanner companies, the information systems co companies, everyone knew that around that time people were going to switch over to digital okay. imaging. And so we felt like these big vendors, GE, Siemens, Philips, McKesson, Kodak, Fuji, they would get their market share, but it, there's a huge opportunity. We could get a chunk of that, and that could be meaningful. Gotcha. So those are your competitors. They, those are the competitors. Yeah. Competitors. Wow. Okay. So how? Um, who? So how did you find your partner? Who did you partner with for that, and how did you find their your partners? Uh, we started direct. We had our own sales team. You did. Oh. Um, but then we met. I would not say that was a strength. I should say your founders. Who were none among the founders. Uh, we were not. None of us had a sales background. We hired. You hired. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which is one was a missing element, and it was the reason that we actually merged. So this company, Imagion, came along, and there's uh, Milton Silvercraig was the president of Imagion. Is from Milwaukee. He actually went to the high school with my sister, so we oh, really? didn't know each <laughs> other. But um, and he was coming home for a holiday or something. He said, "Could he stop by?" And there just was perfect synergy. So they were, they developed an archive to store the images. We were developing a viewer to display the images and were working on developing an archive but did not have an archive. Uh, they thought all the value was in the archive to store the images and all these commodity viewers would be layered on top. We thought all the value was in the <laughs> viewer. So the, it just was it two, these two teams both passionate yeah, about yeah, their yeah. part of the system. And then the, what made them, um, they just were more mature, and they are about twice as big as us, but they had, a, uh, had an unbelievable sales team. Just the CEO was a master salesman, just a, a master with customers, and it's structuring things, and they just had this sales culture that we did not have. Mm -hmm. So it was it's a good fit. two missing gaps. And, you know, we could have, to build our own archive and our own sales team, we probably would have had to raise $20 million. Wow. And the dilution from that was probably would have been more than the dilution we experienced through the merger 
and then we just would have had the cash. We still would have had to build yeah, yeah. the sales team and build the, the archive. So did you have revenue at that point when you merged? We had a we worked with them for by the time we merged we had worked with them for about a year and okay. yes we had revenue Very that okay. we had joint deals with okay. Imagium. Because how long did it take to uh, develop the software? And did you get it? Did you need FDA clearance? We did. You did okay. Yeah. Did you have a predicate or did you have to do you have to do trials at all? We no we no. had a predicate. We've all all of our companies that radiation therapy was a a very high level of concern, high risk device, yeah. but it had predicates, okay. so, and okay. so did the so did okay. visual. So by the time you started the company to the point where you actually had a, a product on the market, how long did that take? Started in two th 2000, and I think our first sales were in 2003. Okay, gotcha. And so did you go out and raise money right away, or do you self-fund? We self-funded initially, but then we raised we raised a total of nine million dollars for the well. company. Okay, all from angel investors. Whoa! Had, how many, how many investors did you have? Do you remember? We had a lot. I think we had eighty. Oh, oh my goodness! Yeah. So when we merged, <laughs> yeah, that's it was a, that wasn't that wasn't the best strategy. Hopefully, didn't need all their approval. <laughs> Hopefully, we had a big meeting at Monona Terrace, and we got everyone there, and we got everything signed. Oh, and, really? Wow! So it didn't it was okay. <laughs> do things differently maybe next time or if you mm -hmm. can but what what it worked so because um, how so with Imagion, imagine 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 yeah how do you how, how do you figure out um, kind of the percentages was it all based on revenue or do it all based because the revenues current revenues are good but then there's also potential I feel like that'd be a could be a comp or do you just kind of just yeah put a value on each company and then that was how you it was, I mean, it was a negotiation like any negotiation that I don't know that it was purely by some equation, but by any measure, we didn't look at revenue, we were both too early, really. Okay. But if you looked at amount of money raised, uh, number of employees, just the, by any measure of size, uh, that roughly matched what the, the deal ended up being. But okay. it was like anything, there was, uh, there was uh, a lot of negotiation involved, and okay. it, it took quite a while to get that done. Okay, and how long were you with uh, Imagine for? Uh, well, we went public in 2005, okay. $400 million IPO, which is great, NASDAQ, wow. that wow. was obviously cool. Uh, yeah. And I left yeah. in 2006. Okay, all right. Um, and are, are you glad you went, did the IPO? Yes. Yes, it worked out. I mean, that was... Especially for all in, we had a lot of investors to... Yeah, no, yeah. it was obviously that was great, and it was uh, we already some of the accounting things and so on. We already, you know, things like revenue recognition. I that was we already were dealing with some of that kind of stuff where okay. you, uh, you know, you need to ship the entire product before recognizing yep, yep. formally the revenue and things like that. And then you know, frankly, I was only around for a year or two after, and so I didn't get into the dealing with any kind of quarterly issues with worrying about okay. results. And, you know, the stock went went up and then the market flattened out and the stock started going down and it was 2008 and the company then, when all the companies had trouble, they were acquired uh, and brought back private by another company. Oh, really? Okay. And eventually that company, Amicus, was acquired by Merge and now Merge has been acquired by IBM <laughs> in the last year or so. Gotcha. Do you know much? Do you remember how much it was acquired for by the private company? I don't. I don't. I don't even know. You weren't around. Right. <laughs> you were on to something new. Gotcha. All right. And uh, any uh, any lessons learned from uh, 
that uh, company um, around fundraising or around technology development or I would say partners um, you know the I would say things went pretty well with that company we we did raise a bunch of money and I would say we hired too many people it was kind of the it was just post.com it was kind of but they're you know we immediately hired five engineers and I think in the long run only two of those engineers kind of hmm. stayed with the company and really contributed so um, were, you the, were you the CTO or what, what role were you playing? I was the CEO of, CEO of Ultravisual CEO. Okay. and then I was a CTO of the combined company. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, again, the lack of sales, uh, you know, bringing in the yeah, right yeah. sales leadership was, uh, we found that through Imagine, which is good, but that's was certainly, a, it's just a key element yeah. of a company that, yes. that we lacked. Yeah, and it, yeah, sales is tough, and right, usually the startups are fairly technical in nature, but they, they might not have a ton of sales experience. And it, it, it's probably rare to find somebody who's pretty technical and loves sales. You know? Yeah, and they exactly. probably should be doing both if they're right. if they're that it's, good. You're not going to find that. So you have to right. You need the right mix of people that are passionate about what their yeah. their yeah. their role and are then are. I think you've got to be passionate about it to be good at it. And, and how did you find your founders for UltraVisual? Like, did you know them for a while? How did you, how the do two, you... Praveen Sinha and Rod, Roger Chilla, the two co-founders, worked at ADAC at the time, which had acquired. Oh, did? Okay, so you'd worked with them. And... Worked with them, and okay. so we actually had a little, they weren't too happy with the three of us leaving. I bet. <laughs> because they were actually being acquired by Philips Medical System. So Philips acquired ADAC, um, and that was started at was happening at the time that we left and it kind of they were just not happy we no, got legal letters and we always had to explain that during our our fundraising why we oh, I left. was all cool and we hadn't taken any technology or anything which of course we hadn't no no well uh, yeah that's good you cleared that that up <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty messy um all right so 2008 what uh what what did you do after Imagine. So 2006 it was. So oh, because 2008 is when they, so, that's right, you left in 2006, they still. Public in 2005, I left in 2006. 2006. All right. I, it was 2008 or maybe it was 2009 when they were brought. Okay, all right, so 2006, so that was, that's right. Yeah, all right. So we, all were, right. we were gone. And that, so that was serendipity is 2006. And that was uh, four of us. This is a little different. This one's. Yeah. yeah, we said, you know, we're sick of this medical, we're sick of the FDA, we're sick of this all this regulated process, and uh, let's do something new. So four of us, all from UltraVisual, former oh, okay. UltraVisual people, um, all engineers, left, and we actually formed the company and self-funded without knowing what the company was going to do. Huh. And it was we try. It was actually great. For three months, we sat around a table and we brainstormed and we did prototypes and we did research and these little mini business plans and it's kind of cool a number of the plans you know we're going to look at try to detect emotions through the webcam and maybe translate that into your avatar in a video game and we we're gonna have this group fun, this group chess where people would vote on moves a number of those things like the chess thing then a few years later we didn't it do it but they came yeah, yeah. somebody else actually yeah. did it so it was kind of cool <laughs> Uh, but what we did, what we started to do was a, we wanted to make kind of an algebra workbench where kids could learn about math um, through shapes and obviously one plus one is two apples, but you can do more complex things with geometry and 
we were working on that, and then it, the idea was to generalize that. What if we could create an environment where people interested in math could create that, but other people could create other types of software? So the big idea, we, you know, why is it so hard to develop software? We, you know, the, the spreadsheet, for instance, allowed people to do their own uh, financial analysis. We're used to, to go to the accounting department and say, run this analysis and get back this bar chart. Now, a spreadsheet, which is a form of programming, let anyone do that. And we want to do the same for uh, software. That was the concept okay. of serendipity. Interesting. And, uh, and how, how, long, how did that go, and how long the, was serendipity around for? <laughs> I mean, I guess <laughs> I know the answer. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> not too long. Not too <laughs> I mean, for a while that went great, but it was, uh, you know, we were the early adopter of the Facebook API. We met with Mark Zuckerberg. We had, we had really? Yeah, it was very cool. We were... Um, we were starting to build up customers. We had uh, a lot of discussions with Disney. Who, uh, Disney has all these assets, so they wanted to make, you know, they could make a Cinderella yeah, site where people could accessible. mash up that content into games. And uh, So it was actually going well to some extent, but it was, uh, it was tough. For one thing, not only were we not sales or marketing experts, but this now is consumer marketing, right? This is trying yeah, to get individual users. Yeah. Um, which is tough. Uh, and then there's no, we had worked in regulated industries. Uh, you know, I, we mentioned, or there, there's a big barrier to competition. Mentioned that it, with UltraVisual, competition was GE, Kodak, and we could say, we can build better technology than those guys, we know it, and get some market share. And there won't be other competitors because there's this huge, small company, yeah. because there's this FDA barrier that keeps people out. We'll just have high quality, and that was true. We had only one other small company significant competitor. Oh, wow. Well, with Serendipity, we did not have that uh, barrier. So there were small companies were doing things, Microsoft and Electronic Arts, big companies, everyone coming out with these turn yourself into a programmer with this drag and drop, oh. kind of the same concept, but all of them failed. They didn't have, serendipity was called serendipity because it involves sharing. It assumed there were some, in the community, some percentage of actual programmers. Okay. We weren't trying to turn you necessarily into a, a programmer. We enabled you to do what you piece together content, but use content from other users. None of these other sites had that uh, concept, but we couldn't attract attention. And as those failed, the whole market uh, in terms of investors, was looked at poorly. It's user-generated content. It's all failing. So it was, it was tough. And we were already doing, um, we were already in, in a risky position. And then it was 2008. The whole world economy <laughs> yes, collapsed, yes. and that was the the end of of us. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, so did that help uh, reframe like your startups after that? Like what ideas you wanted to work on? Well, yeah, it gave me an appreciation for um, for medical software where there's, you know, it's one thing to be making this game environment. We did have this big concept that we would change how software was developed, but it was yeah. mostly it was people developing these little games. It's, it is easier to get motivated when it's helping a radiologist treat hmm. a patient, right? And it's this tool. And then that, that FDA is something I've, I didn't realize until we did serendipity how much I appreciated that. It's, it's not just that it's a barrier that, that keeps out low quality competition. It also forces you to follow a good development process. 
and things that you would do. The FDA basically says, follow a good development process, and we might show up at any moment to make sure you're mm -hmm. doing that. So you do it, you're right. But that process is what you should be doing anyway, and and everyone wants to do, but is easy to let go by the wayside. You know you should write good requirements, and you should yeah, yeah. review those, and you should have a bug tracking system, and you should code review all the code, and you will save a bunch of time, and you, you'll have better quality software yeah, that meets yeah. the requirements. But when you're in serendipity, we had to get stuff done. It's just easy to let that <laughs> slide. So that it's like a personal trainer. You know that you could do your workout, but when the personal trainer is there, you'll do it that you'll actually show up because yeah, that guy's yeah. waiting, and you'll do it that much harder. So I, I really came to appreciate that the the value of that regulation mm -hmm. and the value of having your whole software process really under control. That's a, that's definitely a refreshing way to look at the FDA because you know usually people, you know, like you said, you want to do share bit because it's a regulated environment. But no, that's a, I like that. Um, yeah, that makes you think about the, the value the FDA adds, even beyond just making sure people are taking, you know, being treated treated well by therapeutics or medical device, but kind of the whole uh, development aspect too. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, so now we're running out of time here, and like I said, Mark has a lot, so we're like, <laughs> we're not we're just, we're just getting going. So we have uh, about five minutes. So uh, after that was a. Uh, was that propeller, propeller Health, Health which is uh, with David Van Sickle. So that was David Van Sickle is the primary founder, but I helped get it going. He's a PhD asthma epidemiologist, and it's putting uh, sensors onto asthma medications. And the third co-founder was Greg Tracy, who was one of the co-founders. He was at uh, Imagion, he was at Serendipity, and then Propeller. Okay. Uh, and there, I was there for about three years. Um, they started in 2010, and yeah, they're doing great. They've adapted yeah, to yeah. all these different vendors' medications, and uh, it's out in the field getting great results in terms of bringing patients' asthma under control. Do you know how many patients they've worked with or how much money they've raised? I know how much money okay. they've raised. <laughs> I don't know how many, I mean, I'm out of the loop yeah, on yeah, how many. Yeah. Uh, they've raised, I mean, it's public knowledge, they've raised $23 million. Chunk. And did you did you help write a lot of that software? Because you're were you also CEO of Propeller Hollow. No, no, you weren't. Dave Van Sickle is CEO. I was president, okay. and Greg Tracy is CTO okay. and heads gotcha. engineering. Okay. So I wrote some of the software, okay. but not. It was a different type of software that is, doesn't as well match kind of what I do. Okay. I wrote some of the mobile apps and okay. initially until we hired professionals yes. that really <laughs> what's, know what, what they're doing to. What, what's a good match for your development skills or? I mean, it um, like it's it's kind of uh, imaging systems. Visual, so it's yeah. medical yeah, imaging yeah, yeah. and uh, navigating these 3D data sets and um, user experience, making that user experience, um, you know, intuitive and efficient yeah. and enjoyable. Yeah. And yeah, we we talked a little bit about that with Rock, and uh, you know, Rock just said what you built was amazing. Like you know, it's, he was uh, that's, that helped a lot. So yeah. I could see where that's your specialty. Um, all um, right. And in my last minute, that's our current company's yeah. HealthMind, which <laughs> is with Rock, and it's with Praveen Sinha and Roger Chilla from Ultravisual. So it's all of us Getting back, together. back together, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, oncology imaging informatics. So it's a, it starts out being something similar to Ultravisual, a diagnostic imaging workstation, uh, but also has this built-in um, analytics capability that helps characterize 
um, how the patient is doing for the for the radiologist today, we can automate some of the measurements they'd like to get today, mm -hmm. but then produces this database of data that's very useful for uh, biomarker research down the road. Gotcha. And uh, um, how many people work at HealthMind? And and are you raising money now for HealthMind? Uh, we yeah, we're yeah. raising money. The the uh, twenty three people work for the twenty three. Wow. Okay. And uh, so that did you write a lot of that software? Yeah. So yeah. I'm chief. Okay. This is actually great because I'm chief strategy officer. Oh. So I'm not the CEO, and so I'm I write. I spend a significant amount of time developing software, which I love. Okay. Uh, but then I'm involved in. Uh, fundraising and yeah, sales yeah, yeah. presentations and and uh, kind of business development yeah. stuff. So do, at this stage, do you put down? Do you kind of lay out the requirements and have other people do the actual coding, or do you actually? Uh, some do of coding? it. No, I am in there You're in coding. There? Oh, that's yeah. great. All right. <laughs> no, it's great. We'll have some big and high-level investor meeting, and I'll walk back to my desk and fix the most trivial bug sure, you could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. That's awesome. Well, I, I would think investors like that too. You know, at least have one of the. People and the executives really like deep into the, the code. Roger Chilla, one of the co-founders, oh, also heavily involved in okay. development. So okay. it's we're it's cool. We're really moving fast. Um, all right. Well, we're almost out of time here. Um, what? All right. Well, my last question is kind of like a personal one, and if you have any, I don't think any answers. But you know, what uh, education or books do you? Uh, you know, how do you stay up to date on what's going on, especially around software and the 3D imaging? And is it more as you're always building stuff, so you're always, is that how you stay up to date? Or? I would say I'm not good at keeping, uh, it's working with smart people okay. that are, that <laughs> have a passion for seeing what's going on and then, and then take, when they post something on our, we use Slack, everyone uses that now. Um, really looking at that, but I'm not a, I think we have, we have, of the 23 employees, we have seven people with PhDs who are into looking yeah, through all yeah, the yeah. latest research, and so I've got those filters, and that's my, that's my, data, my main that's data smart. source. All right, fair enough. Well, I think that uh, just about does it, and uh, Mark, thanks for uh, coming on the show. This all right. Is, uh, this is awesome. As I, as I promised, Mark has a lot going on, and uh, we could talk for another hour, so maybe in a year I'll invite him back to see what's going on. Um, All right. But uh, and thanks everyone for listening, and uh, um, we'll see you next time on Flyover Labs. This is uh, Dave and Mark from Madison. Thanks, Bye. Dave. Thanks.